Genesis 27. will be a little bit longer passage than we normally read, but it is a familiar story to you. And so uh, you listen carefully and have your mind refreshed of the details. Genesis chapter number 27, verse number 1. And it came to pass that when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim that he could not see, he called Esau his eldest son and said unto him, My son... And he said unto him, Behold, here I am I. And he said, Behold, now I am old. I know not the day of my death. Now therefore take, I pray thee, thy weapon, thy quiver, and thy bow, and go out to the field, and take me some venison. And make me savory meat, such as I love, and bring it to me, that I may eat, that my soul may bless thee before I die. And Rebekah heard when Isaac spake to Esau his son. And Esau went to the field to hunt for venison and to bring it. And Rebekah spake unto Jacob, her son, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau, thy brother, saying, Bring me venison, and make me savory meat, that I may eat and bless thee before the Lord before my death. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to that which I command thee. Go now to the flock, and fetch me from thence two good kids of goats, and I will make them savory meat for thy father, such as he loveth. And thou shalt bring it to thy father, that he may eat, and that he may bless thee before his death. And Jacob said to Rebekah his mother, Behold, Esau my brother is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. And my father peradventure will feel me, and shall see him, and shall see, and I shall seem to him as a deceiver. And I shall bring a curse upon me, and not a blessing. And his mother said unto him, Upon me be thy curse, my son, only obey my voice, and go fetch them, me them. And he went and fetched and brought them to his mother, and his mother made savory meat, such as his father loved. And Rebekah took goodly raiment of her eldest son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them upon Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the goat, kids of the goats upon his hands and upon the smooth of his neck, and she gave the savory meat and the bread which she had prepared into the hands of her son Jacob. And he came unto his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, who art thou, my son? And Jacob said unto his father, I am Esau, thy firstborn. I have done according that thou badest me. Arise, I pray thee, sit and eat of my venison, that my soul may bless thy soul may bless me. And Isaac said unto his son, how is it that thou hast found it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord thy God brought it to me. And Isaac said unto Jacob, Come near, I pray thee, that I may feel thee, my son, whether thou be my very son Esau or not. And Jacob went near unto Isaac his father, and he felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he discerned him not, because his hands were hairy, as his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him, and he said, thou, He said, Art thou my very son Esau? And he said, I am. Title of this morning's message, Be Who You Really Are. Be Who You Really Are. Let's pray. 
Father, I bless your name, and I thank you for the privilege to gather here. We have sung your praises. We have contemplated your goodness. We have reveled in truth. But Lord, we come now with a copy of your word asking to be taught. Father, we don't need more head knowledge. We need the knowledge we have to sink into our hearts, to change us, to conform us into the image of Jesus Christ. For we ask these things in that precious holy name. Amen. In the Bible, we find several what we'll call disturbing stories. Stories that when you read them, they give you kind of an unsettled feeling in your stomach. And when you get all said and done, you just say, that just isn't right. Now, just because the Bible records stories accurately doesn't mean that it believes that that's the way these things ought to have been done. Such is the story that we just read. The birth of Jacob and Esau is found in two chapters previously, in chapter number 25. The boys were twins. You kind of lose sight of that fact, but they were just moments apart. But Esau was born first. That gives him a special standing in the family. It doesn't work that way in our culture, but in their culture, whoever was born first, and even with a twin, when you're born basically at the same time, whoever was the firstborn has that special spot. There were prophecies that were given about the two boys before they were even born that said that even though Esau was going to be the elder son, Jacob was going to be the top dog. Now, very little is told about them, only we know that they were exact opposites. Esau loved the outdoors. You can think of all what that would take place in his world. Jacob was more of an inside guy. So you had the outside guy, you had the inside guy. They were brothers. They were twins, but opposites. Now, in this passage of Scripture, we find the parents making some very serious mistakes. And one of those mistakes is allowing themselves to each have a favorite son. This is parenting no-no 101. You should not have favorite children. They made this mistake, and it doesn't turn out well. They should not have done that. Our first real look at the boys comes when Esau has been out on a long hunt. And when he comes back, he says, I'm at the point of death, I'm starving to death. I do not think that's probably the case. Your body can go a lot longer than what your mind thinks. But in his mind, he was starving to death. And you know what the story goes. Here's his brother there with a bowl of chili or some similar thing, saying, oh, if you're really hungry, I'll trade you your birthright for this bowl of chili. Now, your birthright is that special spot you had in the family, and it's very important in that culture. It was a huge thing. And Esau agrees. Now, when you read that story, when you first heard it in Sunday school, you said, Esau, you're an idiot. Why would you do that? But did you pat Jacob on the back when you heard it? When you heard it, you thought, you know what? 
to do that to your own brother just doesn't seem like the way it ought to go. That just doesn't seem, as the British would say, quite cricket. That just doesn't seem quite right. Anyway, not a lot more said about them until we get to the scene that we just read. Their, da their dad, Isaac, is old. He is either blind or nearly so. He cannot see good enough to discern things. He calls his favorite son, Esau, in and says, you know what, I'm about ready to die. I'm not sure when I'm going to die, but I want to get things taken care of here. So I want you to go out and get, go out hunting and get some venison. I want you to bring that. You know the way you really you made it, son? I really like the way you cooked that. It's just so good to taste. I want to eat some of that before I die. And so you go do that. You get that meat. You bring it back here. We'll eat, and then I will give you the family blessing. Esau jumps at the chance. And out he goes to go hunting. What neither of them knew was that the mom, Rebecca, is in the other room listening. Her little mind starts thinking because she also has a favorite son. It happens to be the other boy. So she quick calls him in and says, hey, I just heard the plan. we got to act fast. So you run out there and you get a couple of goats. I don't know if goats, well, it's all nasty to me, but <laughs> goats versus venison. But anyway, you go get a couple of goats, and I'm going to cook those things to where your dad won't know the difference. And you're going to go in there like your brother, and you are going to trick him, and you're going to get the blessing. Well, Jacob is no dummy. He knows he's an inside guy. He knows what his brother looks like. And he says, Mom, you're nuts. Have you looked at me, Mom? <laughs> he's hairy. My brother's hairy. He must have been hairy. You think about putting goat skins on your arms to fool your dad. He must have been a hairy rascal. Anyway, the mom says, I got that all figured out. After we skin these goats, we're going to make some sleeves for you. And we're going to put that on your hands and up your arm like that. We're going to put that around your neck so when your dad touches you, he's going to feel hairy. That's the plan. And in your mind, you're thinking, this just isn't right. This just isn't right. So that's what they do. They get the meat. He comes in with it. He calls his dad, and his dad is pretty sharp. He's not senile. He says, who are you? Why? Because he knows something's not right. We'll just put it this way. Jacob was no Rich Little. You guys know who Rich Little is? <laughs> the guy who could imitate anybody's voice. He was no Rich Little. And his dad says, that voice isn't right. There's something not right here. Who are you? I'm, e I'm Esau, your son. Well, how did you get your hunting done so quick? Well, the Lord brought it to me real quick. Oh. Well, come in a little closer. And they had a plan because he was wearing Esau's garments. And you know how each person has their own scent, their own smell, and this Esau's garments had that outdoor smell. And when he got close in, he feels that hair and he smells those garments. And he says, my mind must be playing tricks on me. Because the voice is the voice of Jacob. 
but the hands are the hands of Esau. He goes on and blesses his son. He gives him the family blessing. Of course, Jacob takes off. The next thing you know, Esau comes in, and this whole thing comes out. You're familiar with the story. In your insides, though, you're saying, I don't know about this. To deceive your dad, to steal something from your brother, just doesn't seem quite the way this ought to go. Yes, there was a prophecy about this, but surely this wasn't the way that the prophecy was supposed to be fulfilled. Now, it's critical for us to catch what it, and, and keep this in mind. When Jacob said, or Isaac says, the, hand, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. Now, before we continue on the direction we're going, let's take a moment to, to get this cleared off our plate so it's not nagging at us in the back of our mind the whole time. It's not the direction we're going this morning, but let's just kind of clear this up. What, why is this recorded? How does it, it seems like it works out okay. He gets the blessing, right? He, he swaps the chili for the, the, the birthright. He swaps the blessing. He steals the blessing with this. And you say, how can that be? How does he get to be the, how does this all work out? We have to understand that Jacob's name in the Bible, you know what it means? Deceiver or trickster. Okay? And this was the reputation that he had, and he used it several times to get his own way. doesn't say the Bible condoned it. It's the what he did, though. It was his own way of doing things. You might be tempted to think, well, the end justifies the means. He was supposed to get the blessing, and so he did these things, and so what he did is justified because he ended up with the good. This is not what the, this passage of Scripture is teaching, nor what you should take away from this. The only way that that can come true in your mind is if you ignore the rest of Jacob's life. If you ignored all that, you could say, look, he, he lied, and he kind of cheated his brother, and he turned out all right, and all things. Are, but you have to ignore the rest of Jacob's life in order to, think that, to make that happen. Let your mind run through the rest of Jacob's life. How does this particular story end up? The next thing you know, he is running for his life. His brother has a contract out on his head. As soon as dad dies, you're done. So he has to leave his family for the foreseeable future. And all of that family life that was so very important to him is gone because of this deal that he just made. He goes... And who does he run into? He goes back to his, folk, his mom's folks. He runs into Laban. How does Laban treat him? Hey, he finds this girl. Woo-hoo! Things are looking up. Till they have the wedding. And he finds out that Laban's pulled the old switcheroo on him. <laughs> Think about that. <laughs> now you're marrying the one with the great personality. <laughs> Oh, no. He worked seven years for that one. He thought he was getting the one. He got the one with the great personality, whose personality wasn't so great, by the way, if you read on. But anyway, 
he has to work another seven years to get the one he wanted. How did the relationship go on from there? Later on, he says, you have changed my work, our, our business agreement, Laban and, and Jacob. You have changed our business agreement over and over and over again. When it's all said and done, what does he have to do? they got to sneak out of there trying to get away so he doesn't get killed. Had God not intervened, Laban would have killed Jacob. Later on, what happens? They move into an area, and the boys have learned this trickster thing from their dad. And they get into such a difficulty that he thinks they're all going to get killed in the area where they've landed. And then what happens? Remember the story of the coat of many colors? And what is that coat used for? Hey, Dad, we found this coat. We don't know where it came from, but it's all bloody. And Jacob is once again deceived. His son is not dead, but the brothers have sold him, and he is deceived. What am I telling you? The law of sowing and reaping, that's what I'm telling you. Jacob did all this trickster stuff and seemed like he was winning out with it, but it came back and he reaped more deception than he ever sowed. That's the way life always is. So put this, it's not the way we're going this morning, okay, but set this to rest. This was not condoned by the scripture, and Jacob paid heavily for these mistakes that he was making, these deceptions. When God finally gets a hold of Jacob's heart, instead of being called the deceiver, his name is changed to Israel. This is what God had intended. Now, this is not the direction we're going, but this morning we're more concerned about being who you really are. We have Jacob and Esau, two completely different people, exact opposite in almost every way. And yet we hear Isaac say, you have the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. We look at that and say it never should have been. Would we be equally satisfied if Esau would have shaved his arms and disguise his voice to pass himself off as Jacob. Either way, we say, that's not the way this goes. That's not the right thing to do. They should each be who they are. It's an age-old problem, this blending of personalities, the deception of reality. We should be who we really are. Now, let me ask you, Who are you? Who are you? You say, that's a kind of a pointed question. Yeah. So answer it in your own mind. Who are you? You say, well, uh, uh, that's a little difficult. Well, let's start at the beginning. Let me ask you this. Did sin and evil start with Adam? No, it's not a trick question. I'm not trying to deceive you. I'm not trying to get you going the wrong direction here. Think about it carefully before you answer it in your mind. Did sin and evil start with Adam? 
Now, in your mind, you're running through the scriptures, and you think, well, no, it did not start in the Garden of Eden. It's sometimes the Garden of Eden is called the original sin, but that was the first sin of man. When Adam ate that fruit, was that where sin began? Was that where evil started? And the answer to that is no. Sin started where? With Lucifer. When he said, I am going to be like the Most High. I'm going to set my throne up there next to God. I'm going to be like the Most High. There's the sin. Sin and evil started before. We do not know how long before Adam sinned in the garden that Lucifer sinned his sin. We don't have no way of knowing how, what time frame that was. But we do know that it was previous. Because we find in the garden... Satan appearing as a serpent to deceive. We have the fall of the angels and the introduction of evil. Now think this through. We have God's side and we have the wicked side, the evil side. Okay? Were those two blended? Or were they two opposite sides? I hope you can answer that right. <laughs> were they kind of together, or were they complete opposites? And you have to say, well, the complete opposites. God booted him out of the garden, as soon, out of heaven as soon as that happened. We have complete opposite sides here. Okay, so which side then, when God put Adam in the garden, which side was he on? And you'd have to say, well, he was fellowshipping with God, so he was on that side. Did he stay on that side? No, when he listened to the devil, he went to the other side. How did he get back? We do not have a blending of the two. What we have is, in a figure, the animal being sacrificed as a picture of Jesus Christ who bought him back. We never have him on both sides. We never have him blended. We have Two sides, one on God's side and the other the evil side. Adam was always on one side or the other, never both at once, never got half gods and half the devils. Now, the entire scripture bears this thought out. Let me, let's make you use your brain for a second here. The entire scripture talks about two totally separate sides. Think in your mind, if you can come up with the analogies, the pictures, the, the, the both sides. I'll give you the first one. We have light and darkness, right? One side is called light, the other side is called darkness. Think of your mind, can you come up with others? I've got four more, there's more than that, but I've got four more than that. In the scripture, it's always very clear. Two sides. Light, darkness. We have life, death. We have good, we have evil. We have saved, we have lost. We have children of God, children of wrath. Think about those opposites. Is there any middle ground between life and death? It's not, as the old movie says, mostly dead, okay? 
You are either alive or you are dead. It is either light or it is dark. For sake of the illustration, you're either Jacob or you're Esau, right? You're not both. Even when Jacob had his hairy arms, he wasn't Esau. He was one or the other. You get that? There are two sides. God's side and the other side, the wicked side. Light, darkness, life, death. There are two sides. It's always been that way since as far back as we can come up with when Satan did what he did. So, let me ask you the question again. Which side are you on? You've got to be on one side or the other. Which side? Now, don't pass this off. Don't say, well, I'll think about that later. Set it in your mind. We cannot move forward until you have set this in your mind right now. You are on one side or the other. Set it solidly in your mind. I am on God's side. I am not on God's side. I am saved. I am lost. If you say, I'm not sure, then you better figure you're not on God's side. You better figure yourself for darkness. If you're not sure, then you better figure yourself for darkness. So set it in your mind at this moment. Which side are you on? If we're trying to figure out who you really are, then we've got to know which side are you on. If you don't have it settled in your mind from this point on, the rest of the message is going to be confusion. So get it settled. Answer that in your mind, the sides. We often find ourselves trying to pull what Jacob did. Which side are you on? Who are you putting goat skins over our arms, disguising our voice like Esau's? Who really? There's only two sides. It's equally true that people try to shave their arms and try to sound like Jacob. Thought number two. We have a tendency to blur. We not only find this in Bible characters, but we find this in history. We find this in our neighbors and the people around us. We find this often in our own lives. We try to blend the two sides. The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. We very often in our world try to blend both sides, try to make some kind of a combination of the two. You are on one side or the other, even though we have a tendency to blur the sides. Number three thought, God hates this blending. God hates the blending of the two sides. God never intended good and evil to blend. He never condones morphing from one to another. He never, it, he never in, in, encourages the mixing of the two sides. Think about that famous passage in Revelation chapter 3 with the letters to the churches. At the, letter, the, the church at Laodicea, he says, I know your works. I know what, what did he say? What does he say about them? They're, I wish you were either what? Hot or cold. He says, I know what you're like. I wish that you were either hot or cold. Here's our two sides. You should be one or the other. And then what does he say? You are lukewarm. What is lukewarm? When you go to the faucet, you got the hot, you got the cold. If you turn them both on, what do you get? 
lukewarm. It is the blending of the two. And God says to the church at Laodicea, I don't like that. That is not how this is supposed to be. You should be either that or that, because you are. And this, in this middle thing that you're doing, what does he say? I am going to vomit you out of my mouth. Because you are either one or the other, and the blending of this is not acceptable in any form whatsoever. You should be either hot or cold. We are on one side or the other. We have a tendency to blur the two. But God hates the blending of those sides. Now, do you have those three statements solid in your mind? Have you got that solid? Because we want to move and we want to make this practical now. Because there's practical application of everything that we've said so far. Do you know who you are? You're on God's side or the devil's. You're in dark light or in darkness. You're alive or you're dead. You're saved or you're lost. You got that. You're on one side or the other. We want to kind of morph the two, but God hates that. Now, let's make this practical. What are the possibilities of blending? Okay. We have four possibilities. Light can be light, dark can be dark. Light can try to be dark, light can blend with dark, try to look like dark, or dark can try to look like light. Those are our four possibilities, right? Light can be what it is, light. Dark can be what it is, dark. Light can try to blend itself and look like dark, or dark can try to look like light. Those are the four possibilities. The two possibilities that we're trying to work through is dark trying to look like light and light trying to look like dark. Because the whole point is we ought to be what we are. It is in the heart of every person when he's confronted with sin to want to hide it. When we realize we are dark, we're on the dark side. We're on the non-life side. We're on the lost side. It is in our heart to say, we don't want to look that way. We don't want to be that way. So let us look, try to look like light. It's in our heart to do these things. Where does that come from, by the way? What does the devil do? He tries to transform himself into an angel of light. He wants to deceive. He wants to make himself look like he's on the light side. Right? And this is what we, a person who's in darkness will say, man alive, look at me. This sin is bad. And so I want to be fit for heaven. So let me move over and do some things that make me look more like I'm on the other side. Let me put on the, the hairy arm. Or let me shave off the hair so that I can present myself a little more fit for heaven. This is a very common thing. All down through history we find large quantities of people trying to cover their sin with acts of good. You know, this is why religion is so popular in, and always has been down through the centuries. People love religion because it helps them try to put on 
a show. It helps them to try to deal with the darkness they know in their own heart. They know they're not fit for heaven, and so it tries to, they try to appear better. But the reality is you're on one side or the other. You are either on the dark or on the light. You are either on the good or on the evil. You're either one of God's children or you're not. Jacob did not change himself by putting on the sleeve. Neither would Esau change himself by shaving off the hair. The fact of the matter is, if I have a candle and I print out a picture of a flame, and I put it on the top of the candle, will I be able to warm myself at that fire and use it to find my way through the dark? You say, that is ridiculous. It doesn't work that way. It is just a show. If you're not light, a picture of the light and acting like light doesn't do anything. If I have a dead dog and I move its legs around, and I tr push it over next to myself and it's kind of like it's nuzzling me. Am I going to call it man's best friend? You say, it's a dead dog. It can't do any of those things. And making it do it makes no sense. Ask yourself this question. Why did... Putting on the hairy arms work for Jacob? There's only one answer to that question. Why did the putting on of hairy arms work for Jacob? His dad was blind. Had Isaac been able to see, could he have carried that off? Hey, Dad, I got some hairy arms. I'm Esau. His dad would say, his dad almost caught him without that. His dad would say, What do you think you're trying to pull? Now let's put it right on the bottom shelf. Unless you think God is blind, you're trying to act like light isn't going to fool him. You don't really think God is that stupid, do you? That he cannot see that you're wearing hairy arms? That you're just putting on an act? You can't see that? You believe that God is that blind? The only way Darkness trying to act like light would work as if God is a fool. My friend, it doesn't work. There's no chance. The only way that you're hide, trying to hide darkness of your heart with little deceptions of light, the only way that could work is if you think that God is blind. Sure, you could fool me. You could fool your neighbors. You might be able to fool your mom. None of us are that smart. But if you honestly think that God is blind and that he's going to accept your attempt to deceive as a good thing, you are sadly mistaken. You say, but my heart is dark. What am I supposed to do? I have a dark heart. It's not fit for heaven. What am I supposed to do? I'll tell you what to do. Be who you really are. You say, a person full of sin? A person full of darkness? Yes. And come exactly like that to Jesus Christ. Exactly as you are. 
Why? Because it's his death that provides you life. It is his righteousness that is imputed to you. It is his life that becomes yours. It is his payment for sin that settles this debt. It is his light that gives you light. And when you come exactly as you are, that's when he can do what needs to be done. Come as you are. Be who you really are when you come to God. And let the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ transform you. That's what you have to do today. Not try to make darkness into light. That's a deception and it'll never work. It's putting on the hairy arms and it's not going to work. Come as you actually are to Jesus and let him do the work. That is if you are on the side of darkness this morning. Quit trying to deceive God. It's all wrong. Let today God do the work that's necessary. The other side is a little more difficult. Because as believers, we get used to blending in our lives. And we have a tendency to overlook it, to condone it, or even expect it in our own lives. And God has no such tendency there are two sides, light and dark. Now, you can't switch gears here. If you already said earlier on, I am on the light side. I am on the side of life. And you can't say now, well, I guess maybe I'm on kind of the dark side on this when we get to this. You are one or the other. And God calls everyone on his side to true holiness. The entire scripture bears this out. The only way that you could think anything else is to ignore every single page of that book. Every single page of that book separates the two. Darkness and light is always separated. There is never any blending, and it's never acceptable to blend them, ever. God despises that. And at the risk of being slightly tedious, I want to look at briefly through a bunch of scriptures here and see what they have to say about our tendency to blend. Turn to the book of 1 John. We could be almost any book of the Bible, but 1 John is very pointed here. If you read 1 John, you're going to find John uses two words, ye and they. Why does he do that? He's dividing the line. You guys are on this side, and they are on that side. There is no blending of the two. It's ye and they. There is no blending. First John 2, uh, verse number 1. My little children, these things write unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, ye have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sin, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. 
He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith, he abideth in him, ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. What is this? Your marching orders. There's a division. God's side and the devil's side. And it says if you're on God's side, you had better be walking even as he. And who is the he there? Jesus Christ. Even as he walked. Now let's work through this very quickly. Verse number 9. Let the Lord work on your tendency to blur here. He that saith he's in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. If you are on God's side you are, and you are hating your brother, you are holding a grudge, you are backbiting, you are gossiping, that is what the other side does. First John says, you better not have that as part of your life. You are blending here. You are blending good and evil. And if you're holding a grudge, if you have bitterness against somebody, you are putting on your hairy arms. And you had better not be doing that. Verse number 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Are you getting caught up in the world? You have the hands of Esau. Verse number 22. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus Christ that who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. And he that acknowledges the Son hath the Father also. On God's side is a very clear connection with Jesus Christ. Anything that hides that, anything that disguises that at your work, anything that diminishes that in your conversations, anything that camouflages the fact that you are a, a full-fledged member of the family of God and Jesus Christ is your Savior, any of that is evil. It is blending Jacob and Esau, and God despises that. Verse number 29, if we know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. God's side does righteous works. Verse number 3 of chapter 3, and every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. God's side doesn't see how close we can get to sin. He doesn't see how much we can get by with. It is a constant desire to be purified. Verse number 8 of that same chapter. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. 
if you are practicing sin, if you're allowing something in your life that displeases God, if you're allowing it to remain unchecked, unconfessed, unchallenged, that is not what God's side does. You are putting on your hairy arms, trying to be something that you're not. Verse number 14, we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. If you are on God's side, you love God's people. You don't see how little time you can get by with spending with them. Not just knowing them and remaining aloof from them, but linking your heart deeply with the children of God. That's what God's side does. We don't just kind of have a overlap with God's people where we just kind of rub by them. We link in with them and love God's people. Verse number 17 and 18. But whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shut up, up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. If you are on God's side, you have a giving nature and a desire to help anybody around you who needs help. All around the world, you have a desire to help God's people. Verse number 22. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. If you're on God's side, answers to prayer are a regular thing because you have been praying and you've been asking God legitimately for legitimate things and answers to prayer is a regular thing. Verse number 24, And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. Hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he has given us. Obedience to every scripture that you know is what you do because you are on that side. Verse number 17 of verse number, chapter number 4, we've skipped a bunch here. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. So are we in this world. How are we in this world? As he is. A person who is not being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ is a deception. You are either not on the right side or you are not participating on the side that you as you're supposed to there is no blending here there are only two sides and the line is clearly drawn and God expects us to abide by that to live in that fact verse number 11 of chapter number 5 here we find the line very clearly drawn. We could keep going and reading, but look at verse number 11. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. 
And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. My friend, you either have life or you don't. And it is time to be who you really are.